Welcome everyone to Memphis Hardwood. We are on the heels of the Grizzlies' thrilling loss to the Pelicans last night. It was definitely an entertaining game. It was a really fun game to watch as a fan, but it also marked the end of a two-game skid. And who knows what exactly is going to happen with the Grizzlies as we proceed. The schedule remains kind of light, you could say, but it's not going to be easy because the NBA, because the Western Conference, because it is an absolute crazy fest out here in terms of competition for the Grizzlies, for the NBA generally. And the West is so stacked. My goodness, we have so much to get into. And we're not going to get into any of it without welcoming Marvin Stockwell to the show. Marvin! Glad to be here as always, but yeah, man. Um, and let me just let me just put this out on the table. I confidently said we were going to go three and zero, and like some of that was a little <laughs> bit of borderline hyperbole. But I, I felt it said, felt great to say. Uh, but I have to own it, you know. And like we didn't go three and zero, but like it's for yeah. reasons. Well, it's yeah. it's injuries, it's all sorts of stuff, and and uh, yeah, let, let's let's dig in. But yeah, well, yeah, I mean, so the Grizzlies actually go one and two, <laughs> so they did not have you know a great last three games. They did beat uh, the Minnesota Timberwolves, which mm-hmm. felt really good. Uh, because it? I think we can all agree, Marv. I said this on the Twitter, but like frosted tips, never a good choice, my friend. I I I I knew it was something. It was just something that was bothering me. I but you that's it. That's it. Let frosted alone tips. A, be yeah. be warned. Be warned, fair listeners. You do not want to frost your tips. I'm just trying yeah. to say. Um, yeah. Rudy Gobert. Yeah. I mean, listen. I I am not a Rudy Gobert hater, so don't put me in that category. If you want to, if you want to hear from a Rudy Gobert <clears throat> hater, you can listen to the Chris Vernon show because he has an absolute blood feud with Rudy Gobert. So if you need to hear wow. people hating on Rudy, right? Tune in to Verno. Yeah, um, I just I don't I'm hate just making, him either. I'm just I'm just making a comment about his hair choice, Marv. Yeah, and um, uh, he can't. He's not a hated player, but he is one of those players that's kind of like, for me anyway, he's like, it doesn't take long to get under my skin. (laughs) (laughs) Just give it a few minutes. It doesn't take a whole lot. Couple of games. Uh, Yeah, yeah, but 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 I can kind of like look at that and go like. Yeah, that thing I'll try. It's not working really all that good. So like, yeah, you know, yeah, yeah. I mean, have all you want. The, I mean, Minnesota is gonna have to figure it out. And I mean, I, I don't know if they will figure it out, Marv. Um, mm-hmm. I mean, I'm not sure. I think I said this at the beginning of the season, and if I didn't, I'm saying it now. I don't think that the two bigs thing is going to work. I mean, yeah. And, and basically what you've seen, right. Is if you, if you look at the, you know, the on off splits, right. For, uh, for Rudy Gobert, it, the team is better when those guys are not on the floor together. I yeah. mean, that's the, you know, that's the bottom line. And so obviously the Grizzlies were able to prevail against that team, but it, it was almost a disappointment in a way, Marv. I don't know how you felt right after coming off of the playoff series from last year and feeling like, yeah. wow, this could actually be a, a, you know, a budding rivalry. And then just yeah. being like, no, I don't really, no, I don't know. I don't think so. I don't think Minnesota is going to be good enough for it to be a rivalry. 
I, I don't think so either. And they got less interesting when they lost Patrick Beverly. Totally. I, I just like, you know, in the series, I was like, oh, man, that guy, you know, but it's like, I know that he's the type of player where if he were a Grizzly, I would love him. Right. And that, and that's like one of those, just like we love Dylan, the villain. Right. Like uh, and why we love uh, Tony. It's not, not exactly the same, but you know what I mean? Those yeah. kind of somewhat flawed players that like a little bit crazy and they're like, you know, what's going to happen. And then uh, but but I, I just I just think Patrick Beverly made the whole uh, enterprise of playing them much more of a unhinged spectacle quite frankly and i mean yeah. that playoff series was was incredible like it yeah. was oh that was so fun uh to oh, watch totally. but yeah but it's now it's like eh, boom 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 yeah you know i yeah. don't know <laughs> you know the old so, price is right you know failure oh, sound the sound was, effect there yeah we have to we can't pipe that in so we have to do it <laughs> we have to do it analog style yeah so just, I mean, before we move on from the Timberwolves, I totally agree with you. I think Patrick Beverly not being there, that's a real big shift. I mean, the, the narrative around the Timberwolves right now is that they don't have a clear leader. Um, I mean, Anthony Edwards is still a baby. He's an excellent player. Love to oh, watch yeah. him play, but he's yeah. not the leader of the team. Carl Anthony Towns, not the leader of the team. Rudy Gobert doesn't want to be the leader of the team. So, I mean, who is yeah. that guy, right? It's it's a luxury in Memphis because you have a guy like John Morant who is such a clear leader on the floor and off the floor. And we've talked about yeah. that ad nauseum. So, yeah, and, yeah. and we'll talk a little bit more about it today. But that's the narrative around the T-Wolves. Who's going to step up and be the leader for this team? And they don't um, look like they like each other either. You well, know, they just the look thing. like it's a, that's a pained exercise to be like well okay i guess i'm out here with these, these guys let's try to let's try to win a basketball game i guess there's no uh, you chemistry know, just, no, there's chemistry. no chemistry yeah. and it's really the opposite of the grizzlies in that way um uh, but before we totally. you know before we get out of here right so uh i mean in terms of getting away from the timberwolves the timberwolves yeah. are in the 35th percentile in terms of differential point differential minus 4.3 for their starting lineup of rudy gobert carl anthony towns Jaden mcdaniels anthony edwards and d'angelo russell 35th percentile that's very low points per procession 20th percentile for that starting lineup effective field goal percentage 39th percentile um it's just it's just not good now, yeah. defensively, it's a little bit better. You know, they're in the 72nd percentile, holding opponents to 50.7% effective field goal percentage. Mm -hmm. Defensively, it's it's respectable, but you've got a two-time defensive player of the year. So, you know, you better be yeah. serviceable right on the defensive end. So, Marv, I, I don't I don't know. I, I There are people who are saying that the T-Wolves will get it together. I don't see that happening, my friend. I don't either. I, I don't either. And like, I don't, I'm not, I'm not rooting for them to get it together. <laughs> you know? it's, it's like, we'll it's like they get. may, they may act, they may really actually have to further, you know, do further surgery on the team uh, in, in next year. You know, I, I don't think that what they've put together is, is, is a workable idea. Yeah, that's a, yeah, it's a good point. We'll take whatever advantage we can get. So if that means one team in the Western conference flagging, Hey, give it to me. We will we'll take, take it. The Wizards game, Marv, I don't I don't know that we really need to unpack too much from the Wizards game. Mm. Um, a lot of guys were sitting that night. Dez was out. Yeah. Ja was out. Jaron was still out. Um, Zaire still out. Obviously, Danny Green not playing. Yeah. So, you know, not not a lot. Did you was there anything in the Wizards game you think is worth kind of rehashing? No, I just think later in the season will our our you know. 
we had we had actually plenty of games last season where we had lots of stars out and we still managed to like put together a scrappy win. I I I think the Grizzlies are on that trajectory, but okay, it it didn't happen and and the energy just wasn't there. The season's early. I I just say yeah, no. I mean, not not a whole lot to 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 learn from that game. I just think we didn't we weren't hitting shots. Yeah, uh, and we and we didn't have the guns. Yeah, well, and that's going to be a recurring issue because I want to want to start in this next segment talking a little bit about the fact that um, Jaron Jackson Jr. is back. Hooray! Yeah, but Desmond Bain is out two to three weeks. Yeah, that's um, a bummer. Grade two big toe sprain. Um, I was listening to Verno yesterday and he's got like a sports injury guy who keeps like a database of all sports injuries of all times. Isn't that wow. Cool? Yeah. And basically what Desmond has is what's called turf toe. Oh, so gotcha. It's a, it's a pretty common like thing you hear. But the reason that it's grade two is because that means that there's a partial tear. So it's not just a strain that Des is facing. Um, yeah. And so his buddy, and we'll have to check back um, to see the guy who was writing up this sort of injury thing. He'd actually never seen a grade two big toe tear. So uh-huh. we'll kind of have to wait and see what that looks like. But he did have hmm. a number of um, big toe turf toe issues. Uh, LeBron had had it. KD had had it. I think Kyrie as well. Um, and those guys were typically out four to five games. Mm-hmm. Um, and so it would make sense if there's a partial tear, you'd be a little bit more than that. Right. Cause two to three yeah. weeks. Yeah. That's, that's really more like seven to eight games that Des might miss. Yeah. Um, but Marv just, you know, on, on first Blanche, I want to talk about Jaron. I want to talk about his return mm-hmm. last night. I want to talk about this Pelicans game because it was just a flat out amazing game. I really yeah. enjoyed watching that game. Um, but, but just talk to me for a second. What, what do you think it's going to mean for the Grizzlies Right. With these simultaneous things happening, Jaron coming back, but Des being out. Well, I definitely think we felt Darren, uh, excuse me, Des's uh, absence more than we felt Jaron's presence. But that but I would attribute that to the fact that it was Jaron's first game back. Right. So it's like so he didn't shoot the ball. Well, uh, it, no. that 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 part of his game is going to uh, uh, hopefully round back into form. And I, I think it will. But like. He didn't add like full strength Jaron Jackson Jr. uh, awesomeness last night. He did a few good helpful things and it was great to see him on the floor. Uh, I wouldn't even begin to think about like criticizing him or or interrogating any of what he did or didn't do well. His first game back, knocked the rust off. Great. You had a successful game. What do you have? Four or five blocks or something? Five blocks. Yeah. Okay. He's great. The, The block Panther is back. Uh, but we just need the block Panther to, to, to be dropping in some three balls uh, and, and, and remembering that he can take the ball to the whole strong. As we said, probably last season, we, we kind of got into talking about this one or two steps and he's at the rim, you know? Yeah. So like, he's got a lot of weapons. He just has to get the systems back online. So the fullness of what he can deliver on, wasn't really on offer last night. And like, all that's awesome about Des was missing. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> you no know? doubt, no doubt. So. Yeah, Jaron Jaron Jackson Jr. last night had five blocks, so I do think his defensive presence was felt. Sure. Um, zero for seven from the three point line, three of fourteen from the field. So you're you're really you're, I don't think you're going to see many games like that from Jaron yeah. Jackson Jr. Um, and, and Marv, I want to, I want to speak to what I think was so impressive about Jaron. 
Um, but there's a lot we need to really kind of get into here, right? Mm-hmm. So this Pelicans game felt like a playoff game from the beginning to me. Um, I mean, it was just hype, right? The energy was good. Mm-hmm. Um, they were playing down in uh, New Orleans. Um, and the guys on TNT, it was Reggie Miller, and I forget the other the, the other dude's name. But they were like, this is the future of the Western Conference. Get used to seeing yep. these teams, folks, right? Like it was... Yep. It was pretty, it was pretty hype. Right. And I think that, that it really delivered. Jaron had three blocks in the first half, ended up getting five total. Um, and there was a scene right in the second half, you know, CJ McCollum went on a heater. I mean, he was oh, absolutely, man. he was Ugh. absolutely bananas in the third quarter. Up to his um, old tricks, right? Like that's, he's, he's got old, our number. Grizz killing is Grizz what he killer. is, is what yeah. he was doing. Certified. Triple um, platinum certified. Triple platinum certified Grizz killer. And I mean, in that in that third quarter, CJ McCollum acted like beating the Grizzlies was his full-time job. 14 points just in the third quarter alone. So he was absolutely on a heater. But there was a scene um in that third quarter while CJ was doing his thing where Jaron Jackson Jr., it was just it was it was one play, but he he saw CJ McCollum on the left wing. And he put his hand up, was guarding CJ. CJ wanted to go under the basket. And so Jaron forced him along the baseline, but he kept his hands up. Jaron did. And CJ ended up having to pass the ball out and it ended up resulting in a turnover. And he was like right along that baseline. And he was like, you could hear because the microphone was inside the, the rim. He was like, God dang, you know, but he, he actually like cursed. <laughs> and, and I was like, I just, I savored that moment because I was like, Jaron Jackson Jr.'s defense is back. Yeah. Oh, I missed that. I'm glad that you told me that. That's it was, awesome. <laughs> it was so awesome. And it was like that moment where Derek McCullum was just like, God dang. And he, like, he had no options. And he knew mm-hmm. he wasn't going to draw a foul on Jaron because Jaron was defending so well. Mm-hmm. Um, and I just felt like, oh, what a what a nice glimmer of not yeah. hope, but just goodness, right? And like, yeah just wonderfulness in that game where you saw Jaron Jackson Jr., mm-hmm. you know, back up to his old defensive ways. Um, and so I love that. And, and listen, the, the thing that I want to say right about Jaron Marv is they had to pull, they pulled Jaron. Jaron did not finish that game. So he ended up uh, last night with 25 minutes and they pulled him Marv going into the last four to five minutes of the fourth quarter. And Marv, I think that if Jaron had stayed in the game, the Grizzlies definitely would have had a puncher's chance of winning the game. That's probably right. Yeah, I didn't think about that, but I guess, you know, for, uh, Jenkins was thinking, you know, managing his his time and not yeah. not risking injury. Yeah, yeah, 100%, which, you know, and we talked about <clears throat> this with Ja last week, right? Like, are you going to play Ja 40 minutes in a regular season game uh, in the middle of November? No, probably not. Right. Because you have to make some of those, you have to make some of those calculations. Right. Yeah. And so I think that's, I think that's part of what was going on, you know, is just, listen, Jaron Jackson Jr. is coming off a serious foot surgery. He's been out for six months or whatever it's been. Right. Mm -hmm. And if you go back and you look, right. So, um, Memphis going into that fourth quarter, right. Was only, uh, was, was only down by a couple of points. Mm-hmm. Um, in fact, yeah, so they, they had the lead or they tied it up with, you know, a minute left in the third. And then you can see they kept it close. They kept it close. Right. And then the lead kind of widens, then it narrows again, right. With about four minutes left, right. The, the Grizzlies are within seven and Jaron Jackson jr. Leaves the game and doesn't come back. 
So, I mean, not to say that he would have been the difference between winning and losing, but you got to keep your eyes on the bigger prize here, Marv, right? Yeah. 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 No, I, I think the Grizzlies are in a, a good position and it's more important to, to, to take the long view, which is that the season is long. Uh, we want to manage our injuries. The, the most important thing is that we get to the end of, of the season with in the playoffs with a decent seating and everyone's healthy. You know, like yeah. to <clears throat> to put more stress on it, just to like improve your your seating. Not that seating's not important; it is, and, and you know, and we'll we'll eventually get to really handicapping the whole like seating and matchups and all that stuff. But um, I just I just not if you blow a player out, I mean, it just you can just absolutely torch a whole season. Yeah, for sure. Speaking of players, um, late in that game, Jose Alvarado for the oh, Pelicans. Oh my god! Yeah. <laughs> That, that guy dude. went bananas. <laughs> He's amazing. Yeah. Um, and and uh Verdo, and then we're talking about him yesterday, right? And he has this kind of like he was kind of this amazing player. Uh, I believe he was at Georgia State, uh played uh-huh. for Passner uh down there. Ah. <laughs> and uh and so like, but dude, he just came in late. I don't know if you remember during the game, but he scored on Morant and then he made the like too small sign after the bu- the bucket. Oh, I missed that part. And then Ja oh. went right into his chest on the other end and made the too small sign. <laughs> so those guys <laughs> were just jawing back and forth. And uh-huh. I mean, obviously one of these is not like the other, like, let's be clear, but sure. it was still cool to see Jose Alvarado out there doing his thing. I you love it. to see it, right? Like that's the type of animated, that's, that's the other thing that, game last night was juiced you oh, know yeah. it Absolutely. was it was juiced i mean cj yeah. mccollum running up on the ref and he, he got getting teed up like running at a ref like you know it's oh, like oh, stuff yeah. got heated oh stuff yeah. got heated man yeah no doubt about it yeah that was that was wild got teed up and yeah. you know cj mccollum he, he was uh president or vice president of the nba players association yeah he's like he's supposed player. to be the kind of like pr guy you know yeah. like that kind of like tact yeah, it's supposed to be one of his strengths, and he's running at a ref. Yes, anyway. yeah, I know. So, yeah, it was kind of wild, right? Kind of seeing him, you know, do that. But, um, yeah, CJ McCollum, yeah. obviously a, a bona fide a Grizz killer. But, uh, Marv, I don't know if you noticed uh, Larry Nance Jr. last night. I did. Think? Yeah, he played and awesome. He did, and I was like, is Larry Nance Jr. a freaking bona fide Grizz killer as well? Like, he was last he, night. I mean, you know, he played with the the Cavs for a while um, and he's been on the Pels, I think, for a couple of years now. Mm-hmm. But I was like, is Larry Nance Jr. going to end up being a Grizz killer? I think the 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 Grizz killer certification, he might have started the application. OK, you know, but one, one good game against this is like these you, you have to destroy us like like, yeah. I don't know, at least five games to be in the conversation. Yeah. CJ McCollum is just like he has this special at playing against the Grizzlies switch. It's strange. <laughs> he sure. Not that does. he's not a good player overall, right? You know, he's a he's a great uh, player overall, but like oh, sure. he's, uh, he plays the Grizzlies and he's the second coming of Jordan. <laughs> Seriously, he's so good. Well, to to you know, to the point, Larry Nance Jr. had the largest plus minus of any player on the court last night. Yeah. Plus 16. 8 of 10 from the field, hit his only three-point shot, collected seven rebounds, two assists, a couple of blocks, 19 points, you know, just out here doing Larry Nance Jr. things. Yeah. No, he had had an incredible game. Yeah. So I don't know if that's going to be 
you know, something that we just need to keep an eye on, but I, but you heard it here first, y'all like watch out for Larry Nance jr. Because this Grizzlies team and the Pelicans Marv are going to meet each other quite a few times uh, going forward. So we can expect some more battles. We just got to keep an eye on Larry Nance, man. I, I'm I just, here for it. I got a feeling. I think, like you said, he's got the application filed. So we're just going to have to see how his candidacy plays out. Yeah, indeed. And you know, you got the Steven Adams, uh, um, um, uh, Going up against uh, Jonas Valanciunas. Yeah, thank you. Sorry. Our oh, old yeah. friend. Yeah. Um, I mean, that's a great, like, chiseled giant big man battle, too. Dude, no so there's yeah. a lot to love about that. I, I look forward to seeing it. Oh, and it's oh, like yes. we don't even have talked about Zion. By the way, I, I didn't. I, I, I must have missed it. What, what was wrong with him? Uh, foot contusion. So he's day to day. Um, no, okay. no serious injury there. I think they're just being cautious with him, mm-hmm. um, which makes sense. Yeah, um, so yeah. take your time. I mean, the league is better with Zion in it. Um, and you know, obviously we had our freaking hands full last night without him being on the floor. Right. So, yeah. but yeah, no, I think Zion's okay. Um, it'll be, I want to see those two teams play full strength. I For want sure. everybody back full strength. That's, sure. that's going to be an epic battle. That's for sure. It very will be a playoff battle. Well, just, I mean, that's what Reggie Miller was talking about last night. Like, just mm-hmm. imagine like if these two teams are going to like go at it right in the playoffs, like how amazing would that be? Yeah. Um, I mean, just an embarrassment of riches in terms of, you know, basketball. Um, so the next time we can expect to see ye old new Orleans Pelicans is going to be on Friday, November 25th. It's so, coming up 10 days coming up. From now, Marv. Blinking will be there. Yeah, not 10 days. It's where are we now? <clears throat> nine nine days. days. Yeah, nine yeah, days yeah. from now. So um, so hey, maybe Zion will be back. Um, unlikely Des will be back. So we will have our hands full. And something to keep an eye on would be Jaron Jackson Jr.'s foul trouble. If the freight train that is Zion Williamson rumbles through the bluff city, we're gonna have to make sure we keep our hands to ourselves, ladies and gentlemen, because Zion Williamson will get you in foul trouble all by yeah, himself. Yeah, 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 yeah. No, for sure. So great game last night, uh, Pelicans and Grizzlies. That to me seems like it could be a much more promising budding rivalry, Marv, than Minnesota versus the yeah. Grizzlies. Yeah, no, totally, totally. So we're pulling for that. Um, we talked a little bit about Des not being um, in the game. Um, I just want a, a couple of notes about, you know, Des and Ja before we talk about his absence and what the rookies are doing, Marv. But, you know, what's been interesting is that that Des has been running with the second unit. And so I think the biggest impact on the team is going to be felt on the bench, on that bench unit, because. Mm-hmm. When Ja has gone out of the game, Dez has typically stayed in the game. And so he's getting a lot of run um, at the end of the first quarter, uh, the beginning of the second quarter, right? When those bench units come in and he's getting a lot of run at the end of the third quarter and going into the fourth quarter. So Desmond Bain up through yesterday was the leading fourth points, uh, fourth quarter score in the league. Um, Even, even in front of Ja, right. For that distinction. So, uh, Marv, what do you think about this? Like Desmond, and I mean, obviously he's going to be out for a minute, but you know, Desmond being able to really excel in some of those fourth quarter situations, right? So Des learning how to, you know, close out games, right? Giving Ja a little bit of rest, keeping him on the bench. What do you think about that rhythm for the Grizzlies? Well, I just think um, I, I can't immediately point to a player that that seems to have that same closer mentality. Uh, that's like we've got. 
other good players, but I'm not sure we have a we have a player that can bring uh, as much as Des brings. So it, then it just becomes, you know, almost down to matchups as to who might be the best idea to kind of earn those minutes. And, and I'm sitting here today. I don't know what that is. Yeah. Well, so Taylor Jenkins made a choice yesterday to play David Roddy over Jake LaRavia. Now, we didn't hear anything about Jake being on the injury list, and so I'm just assuming that that was a coach's decision, right? Uh-huh. Um, what are your thoughts about that? We've talked a lot about Roddy and LaRavia, right, in, in the lead-up to today and mm-hmm. about their various mm-hmm. roles and what they still have to learn. And I think we even concluded the podcast last week talking about how I think we would both, once Jaron's back, Zaire's healthy, that we would yeah. we would turn to LaRavia over Roddy. But that's not that's what right. Coach Jenkins is doing right now. Yeah, I don't, I don't, I don't understand that uh, other than to say, is there something – in the kind of body type matchup that, that leads you to under, like, that's all I'd have. I, I don't know. Yeah. I don't know why we would bench LaRavia yeah. um, unless he just thought we needed a, a beefier, stockier, stronger player. I, I mean, I don't think LaRavia is like not strong, but you know, mm-hmm. sure. Roddy's stronger. He's bigger. Mm-hmm. So I don't mm-hmm. know. Yeah. I mean, my, my take on it is you need scoring when Desmond Bain is not playing. So where are you going to get buckets, right? And right yeah. now, Jake LaRavia is a 42% three-point shooter on three attempts per game, right? Yeah. So is that sustainable, right? I think he can probably shoot between 35 and 40%, and I'd put him closer to 40, right? Even 38%. Mm-hmm. And if he kicks those attempts up, right, from three a game to five a game, right? Mm-hmm. I mean, you're adding some crucial points there, right? Whereas... Yeah. When, when you look at David Roddy, I mean, again, big body Roddy, we like that about him. Sure. But he's shooting 26% from three and 37% from the field. Yeah. Um, yeah. I mean, he's averaging 5.5 points per game. That is exactly what Jake LaRavia is averaging as well. But, um, you know, uh, LaRavia is getting 19 minutes. Uh, Roddy right now getting 18 minutes. I mean, it, you know, it seems like their scoring is similar, but... I just think you're going to get better offensive production out of David Roddy, excuse me, out of Jake LaRavia. While I think that David Roddy's is going to give you, you know, probably a little bit more of a defensive backstop. This, this, let me tell you what I think is going on. Mm -hmm. And I've been wrong Mm -hmm. before once. No, I'm just kidding. Um, (laughs) But I think, I think Taylor Jenkins is in love with David Roddy. And I don't mean like you're in love with your wife or your husband or your partner. I mean, I think that he's in love with the idea of David Roddy. Um, And you've seen this before. Um, Ryan Hollins, remember, for Uh uh, Coach Coach Yeager. It's like, what on earth is he doing continuing to play Ryan Hollins out here with these minutes? But he would just do it. Dave Yeager just really liked Ryan Hollins. And there's just these, these, you know, people get kind of infatuated, like with certain Mm -hmm. players. And I mean... I think coach Jenkins has been a top tier coach. I have no real criticisms of him, but I'm just trying to understand the logic of playing Roddy over LaRavia. Now, last thing I'll say, Marv is it could be, he's going to switch him back and forth. So he's maybe he tells LaRavia I'm going with Roddy all night tonight. Then I'm going to give you right. All the minutes the next night. Right. I mean, you know, I, I could maybe if he's really looking to a B them, uh, the players that really look at their strengths and, and and how they stand up to a test like that, that I could see that. But yeah, uh, beyond that, I'm not sure what's up with that. Yeah, <laughs> to yeah. be continued, I guess. Yeah, we'll yeah. I that. mean, 
to, you know, to, to, to be continued. But, but if you were coach Jenkins, you would be putting in, you'd be putting in Jake LaRavia. Yeah, for sure. 100%. Yeah. <laughs> yep. I think I would too. Yeah. Um, well, just to, you know, th- think for just a second about some of the splits here. Um, David Roddy is not in the um, top three among lineups uh, for total possessions, but Jake LaRavia is. Um, and so he's third, Jake LaRavia. He's he's in a lineup with Aldama, Clark, Bain, and Tyus Jones. They've played 72 possessions together. And guess what? That fivesome has been incredible. They're plus 33. Uh-huh. That's incredible. <laughs> plus 33. It's freaking amazing. Um, and so you have to go down a little bit farther, right, to actually find a David Roddy um, lineup that's played that many possessions together. Um, and there's 33 possessions with Clark, Conchar, Jones, Morant, and David Roddy plus 8.5. But I just think statistically, when you start to look at some of this stuff, I, I think statistically you're going to get more support for LaRavia as well. So something yeah. to keep an eye on folks. There's a lot of minutes to go around and a lot of shots that need to be distributed because Desmond Bain was taking uh well nigh 18 shots per game. So you know, you're going to have to figure out where are you going to, where are you going to put those shots? So, I mean, technically there's enough for LaRavia and David Roddy, right. To sort of spread those out. Um, but the Grizzlies are, you know, the Grizzlies are going to have to, uh, the Grizzlies are going to have to figure that out. Agreed. Um, Marv, let's talk for a minute about Steven Adams. Yeah. So right now, Desmond Bain, before he went out, he was the league leader in second chance points averaged. And I think that's because Steven Adams gets so many freaking offensive rebounds and kicks the ball back out yeah. to Desmond Bain to shoot mm-hmm. a three when everybody's collapsed mm-hmm. on the rim. Yeah. Um, I just think Steven continues to be elite um, looking statistically at some things as well. Uh, the the John Morant, Dylan Brooks, Desmond Bain, Santi Aldama, Stephen Adams lineup, our preferred starting lineup before Jaron got better and Des got hurt. They are in the 100th percentile for offensive rebounding. <laughs> <laughs> that means they're the best in the league. That lineup. Yeah. What percentage yeah, of the teams? Those... Oh yeah, go ahead. No, I was just gonna say I've, I've, I've seen those stats. You know, uh, with didn't I see something where it's like, uh, he he's he's basically in that kind of Dennis Rodman territory in terms of rebounds, which is oh, like yeah. on, you know, Dennis Rodman is probably one of the greatest rebounders of all time. Yeah. And, and I think Steven Adams now is really essentially a bit above uh, some of Rodman's best averages for a given season. So. Yeah. So, so right now, currently Steven Adams is having the best offensive rebounding. Steven Adams is having the best offensive rebounding season in the history of the nba i'll bet i mean because it's like i'm not sure whether i just didn't observe it before but uh i don't recall as many tip outs as rebounds yeah you know like that seems to be and i and i've seen other teams do it now so i I mean it's it's clearly an emerging thing the tip out as a rebound but i think i think uh uh steven adams does it particularly well uh and and, and and what's next level about him is sometimes he not only just kind of like randomly tips it out, he, he'll position himself for a rebound. And as he goes up, it's almost like he's passing from the intended tip. You know, it's like, here, totally. I'm going to tip it to, and it's a touch pass. 
you know, like that's just kind of ridiculous kind of uh, yeah. 3D chess kind of stuff. But yeah, yeah. Well, and I think that goes back to why Desmond Bain is getting some of these tip outs right into his hands to shoot a three. Yeah. Right. Which is, you know, allowing Desmond Bain to to lead the league. Right. And um, second chance points average. Yeah. So that is true. That is not fake news. Um, Steven Adams is, in fact, rebounding at a historic level. Twenty point nine five percent. Let's call it twenty one percent of all offensive rebounds. Steven Adams is collecting them. The Kiwi Collection Agency, Marv, not only is it open for business, but they're franchising. I think they're starting to franchise. Oh, man. Yeah. No, I mean, it's such a successful business model. Uh, who wouldn't want to fi- fly their airline, so to speak? I'm making air quotes. Um, no doubt about I'm it. I'm glad we're aboard. Sorry. Yes. Uh, glad to be aboard, though. <laughs> Kiwi Collection Agency. So just got to give a shout out to my guy, Stephen Adams. I mean, yeah. what a joy it is. And we want to get the Stephen Adams stats guys on here. And so if you're listening um, and you want to jo- join the show, tell us when you can do it. But we'll be reaching out to you soon. Because yeah, yeah. Because, right, and this goes back to the New Orleans Pelicans, last night we were playing against Stephen Adams' former team, the New Orleans Pelicans, and we traded ye old Jonas Valanciunas down to New Orleans to acquire Stephen Adams. Well, of course, many of us remember Steve-O before he was in the Pelicans uniform when he played for our arch nemesis, the Oklahoma yeah. State Thunder. Um, and even, I believe, yeah. in his first year in the league, Marv, went to the went to the Western Conference Finals. Um, mm-hmm. with the Oklahoma City Thunder. So many of us remember very well Steve-O, right? We've got experiences with him. But I just want to, one of these days on the show, I just want to talk about big men in Memphis who do mm-hmm. great things. Yeah, And I mean, obviously Zebo comes to mind, right? But you think about Marcus Gasol, Defensive Player of the Year, of course. Sure. But also an elite passer. Mm-hmm. And I wouldn't call Steven Adams an elite passer, from the five position, but he's an extraordinary passer for a seven footer. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, and so there's just these interesting lineages, right? And then we get Jonas Valanciunas in here, a professional scoring machine. Like the Grizzlies have just had, I think, some really cool big men, right? Over the yeah. day. Um, Sharif Abdul Rahim, right? Even before uh, you know, the the grit and grind era, we talked a little bit about yeah. that in our in our oral history. So just, just shout out to Steven Adams. He's obviously like leading probably the league in these screen assists, particularly for John Morant. But, mm-hmm. you know, when he was out for uh, that one game, it was like, oh man, you know, you could really feel his yeah. lack of presence. I think he's a key to this team's success, Marv. 100%. Um, and he's just one of my favorite players to watch. Um, he's an interesting player to watch within the frame of the changing role of the big man in the NBA. You know, uh, Jonas has, has made had some really interesting comments about that. Yeah. He himself is a is a big man that probably came up as a big man thinking about the classic definition of a big man and had yeah. to had to change. So uh, that that is one. Uh, several positions have changed, but I mean, I just think the. I mean, it used to be completely. I was talking to Cormac about this the other day. It's like you know the way the three point uh, three pointer changed the game, uh, and it's just like. The, if you go back and watch YouTube footage of like like some nineteen seventy eight basketball game, it's like a bunch of it's a bunch of huge guys down low pounded in the paint and they're going to war. Yeah, and it's kind of it's kind of awesome in a way, but I mean basketball has become more elegant, and, and I, I I think it's more exciting. Uh, but but yet there is a role still for a big man 
And and Stephen Adams is still showing that there is another path to being a great big man that is not a great three point shooting big man. Like mm-hmm. there are other there are uh, players in the league that have found that formula. Yeah. Uh, but uh, but but Steve, Steve has he? Uh, I know last year we joked about how he he didn't attempt any three pointers. Yeah. Uh, but uh, uh, <laughs> or did he have one because it was just like the end of a period and he chucked it or something? But it's like he doesn't shoot the three, like you know. Although yeah. we've seen the him in practice shooting them, right? Like yeah, so we know yeah, he, yeah. he's able to shoot. Yeah. from that range but it's like sure. they're clearly not putting him in a situation where he's expected to shoot the three yeah um although he has been getting more aggressive and going to take the ball to the hall sooner they, yeah. uh, and that's that's yeah I, I think it's made him even more dangerous yeah love that yeah no doubt about it and i mean being able to have him at least look for his shot that's mm. helpful right and yeah. so and 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 brevin has made the point on the broadcast a number of times like you want to see Steven Adams having his hands ready and rolling to the rim. So not just setting those monster picks, right. But coming off of that pick and then moving to the rim and having his hands ready to catch the ball. And you're starting to see that this year. So yeah, it's, I mean, and we're going to need that. You're going to have to get scoring from more places now that Des is sidelined. So I'd love to see, you know, love to see the big fella getting into the mix. So yeah. another historical legacy that is continuing today, Marv, is defensive stoppers. You know, think about it. Like basically when Tony Allen was transitioning out of, uh, you know, the Grizzlies and also the league, he played in new Orleans, right. Very briefly before he, before he retired, Dylan Brooks was coming in. Yep. And so we in the Memphis Grizzlies nation have not really ever had to think about what it means to not have a, someone who can turn off the fricking water. Right. Yeah. And so I want to talk just for a second about Dylan Brooks and I, and I want to give you some, some statistics. Okay. First of all, Dylan Brooks point differential, right? So his plus minus right point scored or, you know, not when he's on the floor this year, Marv plus 18. Nice. That's 94th percentile. Wow. So he's elite in terms of his impact on the floor. Um, in terms of his points per possession on defense, okay, so this is the points allowed per 100 possessions played, minus 15.6. That's 99th percentile. Wow. That's incredible. Dylan Brooks, in terms of effective field goal percentage for the other team while he's on the floor, minus 3.9%, meaning he makes opponents shoot 4% worse just by being on the floor. Mm-hmm. 82nd percentile, right? And then lastly, I mean, people talk a lot about his offense, right? So points scored per 100 possessions played, he's plus 2.3, right? So 61st percentile. No one is going to say Dylan Brooks is an elite offensive player, but he does generate his own shot. He gets his own shot. Now, the question about whether those shots go in is a different thing altogether, right? Yeah. But there's few guys on the roster who can generate their own shots, Marv. I've just, I have just been very impressed by Dylan this year. He's passing yeah. the ball more. Um, you know, I don't know that he that's showing up in terms of his total assists um, this year, but he's definitely passing the ball more. I think some of it is sometimes guys are surprised, like, dang, Dylan is passing me the ball. <laughs> They're not ready, right, to put it in the hoop. <laughs> Um, so I think that's, I think that's part of what the challenge is, but in general, Marv, he has just been amazing. I think in terms of deferring, 
So his field goal attempts are down this year um, to 15 um, from 16.4 last year. And Marv, he's shooting uh, from three-point range, 37%. That's that's better than his career average. He only shot 30% last year. He's Uh shooting 37% from three on six attempts per game. He's putting in two threes per game. That's pretty good. So I just, I mean, we've, we've talked about Dylan. It's a recurring theme in terms of how he's helping the team to perform statistically. He's amazing. And I think even the eye test now, like I don't, you know, I'm not groaning as much when I think about Dylan. Yeah, no, I, I, I absolutely. I mean, what's, what's interesting is like, there's that little like uh residual wince when you, it goes up, but then you go, it went in, <laughs> you know? So, um, yeah, and it, is he going to go through spurts where there are groans at FedEx Forum? Yeah, you know, yeah. Oh, yeah. Cormac and I, I hear those things, but uh, <laughs> yeah. Cormac and I are solidly in the Dylan the Villain, you know, fan nation. Yes. Solidly. Yes, yes, yes. absolutely. Yeah, I love that. So my favorite sequence of the season so far was last night. Dylan Brooks helping to block on one end and it led out to that jaw dunk on the other where he switched hands in midair. Incredible. Yeah. What? Yeah. I've literally never seen that in my entire freaking life. Yeah. And I mean, I obviously like Reggie Miller was on the call. Right. And I mean, he was very impressed too. I mean, I'm sure somebody's done it before. I mean, I don't need, I'm not like a basketball player. Right. But I know that is freaking difficult. That is hard to do. Sure. Sure. Yeah, I mean, you have to be in the air for a long time, Marv, to do that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. No, for sure. Well, John Morant does incredible things with regularity. That's his well, brand. I know. That's his MO. <laughs> and, and I want to get out just talking about John ja a little bit. We don't have to go into great depth here, but I just want to make an observation. I mean, John ja Moran is incredible, right? So he had the most points last night in the league. Um, he had 36 points. Um, he's number eight in scoring, right? Um, across the league. So John ja Morant, like doing doing John ja Morant things, right? Continuing to be an incredible player. But I just want to make an observation about uh, one way I think he's changed the game, Marv, his game. Yeah. I have observed that jaw is jumping earlier on shots, meaning instead of waiting until he gets down towards the restricted area, he's jumping like just below the free throw line, like maybe one step in front of the free throw line closer to the basket. And what that's doing is because he can jump so high and stay in the air for so long, it's taking defenders off guard and what he's doing is he's kind of he's finger rolling the the ball into the basket because he's Mm. kind of coming down right in front of the basket and i've noticed that that is something he's doing and the reason i like it is two things number one defenders are like wait what like it's almost unblockable because if you're a defender john morant's going downhill you want to protect the rim so you're like oh i'm going to stay here at the rim well if he's jumping up five feet before the rim (laughs) what are you going to do you know, if you jump at that time, yeah. it's going to be difficult. You're not going to be able to block the ball. If you wait till he gets closer, you're going to foul him. <laughs> so what are you going to do? So that's one reason I like this. The other thing is, Marv, he's not falling down as much. He's not getting as much contact at the rim. That's true. And that's so true. I, I wonder if this is tactically something he's doing on purpose. I, I noticed it a lot last night. And he was finishing really well at the rim and just frankly, not, you know, not getting into dicey plays where there's a lot of contact. Sure. Well, I think a lot was made last year about 
um, the style of play, and I mean everything from the analysts calling the games to fan chatter and social media threads about 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 his style of play and the, and the wear and tear on his body and his long term uh, outlook in the NBA, uh, and you know, and people would 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 say things about. Derek Rose, right? And like Derek, Derek Rose could also, especially you look at his rookie season and stuff, that the taking the ball to the hole up in traffic, somehow circus shot, he makes yeah. it, but he paid an awful price oh, uh, in terms of wear and tear on his body. So I think not only is, is there precedent in the NBA that informs the situation, but I think people on the coaching staff, like if it reached, you know, fan level of like, of like kind of very common discussion, then of course it wasn't lost on the coaching staff either, and they're they're duty bound to keep Jaw healthy. So uh, I don't I don't doubt that it's something that he worked on. I mean, yeah. if he did so much to like work on his shot with a shot coach, oh yeah, like like he, he Jaw will do anything to get better because he wants to keep winning. So yeah, yeah I'm sure it's something uh, that that he worked on uh, intentionally. And as to as to as to what a defending player. Uh, can do about it. I mean, I think the only thing that they can do about it is to watch the ball go in the basket. <laughs> Last time I checked. Oh, you it, love to hear it. Oh, yeah. Well, there's another, <laughs> another two points. Oh, my goodness. Yes. Yeah. No, it's totally right. Um, And I'm glad he's changing his game intentionally in that way. It's just a level of maturity and like growth with his game. I'm like, it was just surprising. I'm like, that's so cerebral, man. Like, okay, I can take anybody at the rim and I could probably do that for the next five years. So, but, so why change? Well, you know, cause you want to play 12 years instead of seven, you know what I mean? Yeah. Um, so I just, I love that about Ja. You made a point about his shot. Marv Ja is still shooting 40% from three on five attempts per game. Incredible. Incredible. All the, all the stuff that he's doing uh, is paying off. And you know, I, I, I'll, I'll link this to something else that we've discussed and that Desmond Bain highlighted uh, some announcer asked him, what's, what's Jaws greatest strength or, you know, and, 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 and Desmond's highlighted humility. And, and oh, I wow. thought, and, and I remember the, 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 uh, the announcer was like, huh, 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 humility. Well, okay. You know, like that is a little bit countercultural mm-hmm. because like, you know, especially in like American sports lore, you know, it, it it's like the whole, like, alpha dog who's 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 the best player well he's gonna you know the humiliating dunk you know mm-hmm. or whatever it's just like it's very much about conquest mm-hmm. uh and i just think that like no one jaw would be the first to admit that that feels pretty awesome and he's gonna do that he's gonna mm-hmm. posterize some people but he realizes that like again thinking the long game what yeah. what does he want to have happen yeah. What's going to make him better? What's going to give him more of what he wants? And he, and he has to be he has to humble himself such that the kind of like the long term outlook uh, can kind of like have the steering wheel of, of of his game more often than the kind of like you know uh, yeah. bravado of like yeah. always alpha dog in the crap yeah. out of it. Which honestly, last season he did some of he he yeah. he got in a habit of like say I I'll just John Morant this darn thing in the yeah. basket yeah yeah. Yeah, and that's always sure. there to do, but like sure. you're gonna wear yourself out, and he's smart sure. enough to know that for sure. Yeah, you're right about that. A couple of things to keep an eye on with Ja. Let's see if he can bump up his assist numbers while De- Desmond Bain is out. He's gonna need more guys to get involved. So let's see if John Morant can bump up those assist numbers. He's averaging seven a night, which is obviously um, amazing and close to elite. But let's see if he can bump that up. Can he do eight or nine a night? Right. 
just while Dez is out. Then the other thing I just want to note, John Morant averaging um, five, uh, excuse me, six total rebounds per game. That's a career high for him, Marv. Mm-hmm. Um, and so he's rebounding the ball at a very high rate. He's doing a little bit of everything because he is John Morant. He is our superstar. Mm-hmm. He is Memphis's first real superstar and the best hope that we have. And I think it's a really good hope, something you can invest in to getting that championship parade on Beale Street. Don't know yeah. if it's going to be this year. Don't know if it's going to be next year. Maybe it's going to be both. But we will continue to watch Ja and his heroics. We'll continue to watch how this Grizzlies team performs without Desmond Bain. We'll continue to watch our friend Santi. Didn't get to talk too much about Santi. Shout out Santi for the reverse dunk that Ja set him up <laughs> yeah. for. The other day, yep. that was amazing, right? Santi continuing to do great things. And we'll talk about it all right here on Memphis Hardwood, y'all. Thanks, everybody, for joining us. And thanks to my co-host, Marvin Stockwell. Thank you, my friend. Always a pleasure. Go Grizz. Go Grizz. Glad to be here with y'all. Thanks for tuning into the show. We will see you next time on Memphis Hardwood.